Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hey. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you so much for hanging out on TPQ20 today. Um, we always like to start off by saying, you know, we know who you are um but our audience may be new to you so if you were to kind of give that bio that's not on the back of the book what is that bio your publicist doesn't have who are you yes so i am from the midwest i um growing up lived in between ohio and wisconsin um i'm a reality tv show lover yes. um, uh, we'll come back to that but but yes. we'll definitely put a pin in that one because we'll, we'll, <laughs> i like that um, I'm a vanilla latte enthusiast, love vanilla latte, <laughs> and I'm a visual artist and writer. So yeah. All right. So let's start with those, uh, with, with some of those passions then. Uh, we, we are big fans over here of like all the housewives and 90 day fiance talk uh, shows. So, uh, what is your favorite reality show right now? Oh what's my your, God. What's your current obsession? I love 90 day fiance. So I've been watching that. Even are you are you watching that season oh, right yes. now? Yes, yes. <laughs> and all of the pillow talks and everything else that come with it. I mean, you gotta you've gotta stay informed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to start watching the pillow talks. Oh, they're I... fantastic. Okay. Honestly, like even they they're really they're they're good because you get you get the real snarky comments that come out during that, and it's it's yeah. a lot of fun. It's everything you want them to say, but you know now they're just watching it instead. Right. It's always good to watch someone watching. The- <laughs> what, a brilliant, what a brilliant move by TV networks during pandemic time. Like, you know, we know you can't do anything, so we're just going to watch you watching TV. And, and it's entertaining. Yeah, it's yeah, great. It's amazing. And they're, you know, Andy Cohen is making millions and millions of dollars off of it. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also love Real Housewives of Atlanta. Yes. American medicine. I started watching Dubai, Real Housewives of Dubai. Dubai is really good. It's uh, it's interesting. Well, yeah, I we're we're I mean, but we just we watch constant just housewives, all of the housewives. We started we uh I saw some episodes of the one there's a new one um I can't remember where in Africa, but there's another one that you can only get through like an app on like your phone, but you have to be on a pro- like a private IP relay to get it. Oh, wow. It doesn't do anything. It's, I think it's somewhere in South Africa and I can't remember where it is, but it, it might be, I want to say it's like, it might be Pretoria or something, but it's amazing. Oh, wow. That's exclusive. That's not- <laughs> <laughs> um, so visual art, let's start, let's start there. Uh, where is the intersection for you between visual art and poetry? Yeah, so I I think I consider my work in the realm of visual poetics. And so when I first started doing it, it was 
mainly collage. So taking images and melding them with words. Um, one of my first visual um, pieces is this poem called Light Attire, which is in my debut collection. Um, but as I've started to kind of go further down this kind of visual art um, trail, there are some pieces that don't have words at all. And so I'm like, it's still considered a poem if there's no, you know, language in the sense of writing, you know, can a poem exist as strictly a visual um, item? So it's been fun. I think after writing the debut, like it, that just takes so much energy, the editing, the writing. And so I think working with images was a nice break during the pandemic, especially. And so it's something that still brings me a lot of um, joy and just inspiration, even in when I go into kind of standard writing as well. Were there any, I mean, cause the, the idea of poetry as a visual, you know, the idea, kind of comes like, you know, old, old school concrete poetry, um, you know, and I, I like that, but is, I mean, how, what is the answer to that question? Can poetry be told as a, as just a visual and, and no, with no words? Yeah, it's so, I think so. Like my, like, I really don't have an answer, but my heart says yes. Yeah. So it's like, I'm still figuring out what that means, but I, I definitely think that just an image it can be a poem. I think of like, what comes to mind is like the cover of Claudia Rankin's Citizen, just that hood, like that is saying so much, even though there's no real language accompanying it. So I'm, I'm just really excited. I think about some other visual artists that are collage artists, especially that um, have work that kind of tells a story. Um, Shanique Smith is one of them. She creates, um, like these sculptures with found materials. So like t-shirts, purses, tennis shoes, and it's just this bundle, you know, that kind of, I saw it in this art exhibit, 30 Americans, which was touring around different museums. Um, and it, it's kind of suspended from the ceiling. Hmm. Um, and so it's just all these items that might make up someone's life. Just so kind of like a new school Dada approach to things. Right, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, that's really cool. Yeah. Do you do you feel like maybe you're entering like an ekphrastic, uh, you know, mode? Are you are we going to see like your next book? Is it are, are you working up something now that is going to be a more visual poetic that is not because obviously, like you said, your your poetry itself is placed in a very visually fascinating way. I mean, it is art, but are you now going to take the, the picture aspect of that and kind of include those pieces? Yeah, that's it's interesting. I'm actually. Um in my book that's coming out in the editorial process I started writing a photographic essay is what I would mm. call it so it kind of runs throughout the book so I'm excited that those images will be in the book um and I you know now I feel like I've started I'm now kind of writing back in that space of one poem at a time one thing at a time and maybe less so thinking about how it will come together as a collection. Because I think I just also have so many ideas. I have a visual idea. I have this erasure poetry idea. I have these poems that I'm dealing with my dad and my childhood, which are more standard poems. And so I just have all of these ideas kind of hmm. 
all in these different places, but I would love to have visual elements um, in all of my books because I just think the visual element is so important to me. Nice. Do you, you know, what was kind of your, what was kind of the catalyst to get you into, into, you know, maybe both art and poetry, you know, where did you find your love of that? And then, you know, what was the point where you just realized, you know what, I'm going to do this um, and, you know, try and put your work out into the world. What were the, what got you started with those? So I think I always go back to like, like the earliest memories, like, especially in childhood, I feel like in schools, there are there's either a program or a teacher or a class that kind of gets you there. Um, when I was in school, we had a program called forensics mm. and it was competitive speaking. So each school had their own forensics team and there were different categories. So you could be in um, humorous solo acting where you would read a monologue or you could be in poetry. And so I was in the poetry category. And so when I was in middle school, high school, would recite like my Angelou poems and, and things like that. So that being my entry to poetry is kind of the the traditional poets we think of in like black uh, culture. So Langston Hughes, Maya Angelou. So um, reciting their work and then eventually writing my own work in that forensics competitive space and and having success with that and being like, okay, you know, I can write. So that that was helpful to me as a foundation for writing. Um, and I think for visual art, I think that's something relatively new for me. Now, maybe when I was younger, I, I probably created things, right. but to really kind of take it to the point where I was creating things and then submitting them into the world, that that's a relatively new thing, which is why it's so exciting to me because it's so new. Yeah. That's awesome. So coming from that forensics background, because I definitely have, I, I've definitely waited in that pool as well. Uh, and then also having this visual component, I'm going to keep coming back to that one. Um, do you think there's, I, I love asking the question of, of performance poets, do you think there's a difference in writing for the stage versus, you know, the page? But in your, in your case, is there, is there a difference in crafting a poem that you know is going to be, you know, a, a piece on the page that you're crafting as a visual piece? Is there a difference when it comes to that than writing something that you know you're going to perform that might not, you know, find its way directly onto a page before other people are hearing it? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, in terms of a poem, yeah, that would just be heard only. I think I might think about it's probably only going to be heard once. And so how how do I make sure that my message gets across if this person only hears this poem one time. So there, there might be some, some ways in which I write um, to make that message more clear. Whereas on the page, I'm assuming that people will take more time and might return to it. And so I'm able to kind of look at pacing in a different way. So I have like um, one visual poem I'm working on. It's about like seven or eight pages. And so um and there are like just like little words on each page, but the image is really, you know, what takes the reading, it takes time. And so I think a lot about pacing. I'm like, okay, I wonder how, how much time will someone spend, you know, on this page before going to the next? And so 
the the pacing i think is a, a big thing i think about when i'm thinking of visual poetry on the page I, i'm curious about because i really i like that um that idea of that pacing how how do you know what's your i guess what's your how do you know what's the right pace for that piece um and when to and where your line breaks how like what's your i guess what's your we jump into process with that a little bit because what is your process for that yeah and you know i'm still figuring that out I think <laughs> it's really like i hope i hope y'all get it you know <laughs> it um yeah i think um i know with that particular piece i'm working also with like you know do i need punctuation but it's a found poem so mm. i'm taking words from a yearbook i found this yearbook at oh no uh, yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting it's um it's grambling state university's yearbook from 1991 and it was at a thrift store i was just like to find an hbcu yearbook that's cool beautiful so beautiful so i've been taking words from the yearbook and so there's not periods there 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 might not be commas and so i'm like how do i make sure that this is read as one sentence or two sentences so it's it's kind of difficult if I want to play by the rules of I'm only using what I find in the yearbook in the format that I find it. So I think a lot of it is kind of just has to be up in the air. It's like, you know, if someone reads this as multiple sentences, that might be fine. You know, if you read each page as its own poem, maybe that's fine too. So um, I think I've also just been comfortable with once this enters the world, I'm excited to hear how other people are reading it. You know, nice. I like that. I just uh, I had a conversation with Dorothy Alasky, um, and we were kind of talking about the idea of estrangement from your poems, and that you know, um, like when they look at a process, they um, they want each of their poems to kind of be estranged from the rest of the poems before they're able to kind of put it back together. Um, mm -hmm. And then I like that idea of you know letting the poems go out into the world and so are you able to kind of cut off like you know you you accept when it's done and then you're good to let it go and people can have with it as they'd like yeah i think i've had to just I, the thing is i think i'll feel that honestly once this book is out so before you know having i think poems out um there's a little bit of that you know people will read it and i'll you know they'll like it but i don't I feel like once you have a book and it's it's a bigger thing, then you start to really see how people are reading a, a whole body of work. And so I think that'll be interesting for me. Um, how, how long ago did you start writing this book? What was the what's your what was your timeline from from writing and kind of finished with draft to now? Yeah, so I. Um, I graduated from my MFA in well, I was done with the program in 2018. And so I was working on a collection that was about my dad and black girlhood, various things. And I had been submitting it, you know, not really getting success with it, but also starting to feel like, I don't know if I'm passionate about this mm. right now. I don't know if I have everything if I've worked out everything I need to work out personally to write about my life personally enough for this to impact someone else. Ah, that's a smart way to think about that. I like that. Yeah. So I started to, I had this, I also have like um, a document of 
book ideas, things that interest me. So I kind of went to that document and looked at some of the things I had written down of some interest to me. Um, and I had written down um, like black hair care. Like that was an interest to me, like the, the culture of black hair um, and then beauty supply stores and the the cultural and racial tension between um, black beauty supply stores being owned by Asian American um, communities. So like that was something I had written one poem about that. Hmm. So it started with this one poem, which is the second poem in the book. And so from there, I was like, maybe there's something here. I went back to my original manuscript and part of it was about black girlhood. So I'm like, there's a lot of poems already in what I've created that fit here. So I was moving poems over to this new idea, but then also writing some additional poems, doing some additional research and in the book started to kind of develop. And I would say that this was in maybe 2019, 2020, when I started to kind of really put this together. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it had already existed from years ago, but um, some of it, you know, kind of came about once I had the idea down and was putting it together. Were you this for the po for the pieces that were older? Are you the same poet? Were you the same poet then as you were when you were coming back to them? And did you find that your voice had changed at all? Or yeah, definitely, because I think that some of those were written during the MFA, and I think a lot of people say, you know, during your MFA, you're finding your voice. You're also reading your peers work, you're reading, you're, you're kind of inundated with all these other voices, workshop, people's opinions of your work, especially as a writer of color, like, you know, so it's, it, it definitely took me kind of stepping away from the MFA experience and realizing what was my voice and what was given to me, what I wanted to take from what was given to me, what, what I wanted to give back. So just this, this balancing act, but I, um, so some of those poems um, are in the book, but they have been changed, I think, since. Nice. So in, you know, in your fairly now short career as a, as a writer, um, what have been, and maybe in the, the lead up to that, what have been kind of those roadblocks and pitfalls that you've dealt with and have you overcome them or have they become a part of your writing? Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind as like a, a challenge is, for me was like finding community, finding other readers, other writers. And so the MFA was good for that because it's built into the program. But um, I'm thinking about finding like a big group of like black writers or, you know, and, and writers that I just, have this lifelong kind of connection with, like, you know how you will just have friends you can send a poem to. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, that that's the sort of thing that is gonna be able to sustain me as a writer, having that community that do is you, with me. Do you have those accountability partners? I do, I'm starting, like I do. I definitely, I have a great friend from my MFA program and we are still connected. We would work every day together in a coffee shop. So that to me was, that setup was critical to my writing. Um, I just went to my first Cave Canem retreat. And so- Congratulations, by the way. That's, a, that's amazing. Congratulations. I know. It was amazing, honestly. And so 
having people that I connected with at Cave Canem that I could send poems to, um, and then just some friends that I've also met along the way. I think that that um, is so important and it takes time to find those people. Um, and then those people change over time. So it's, that has been something that I've cultivated over time and that I'm really excited about having now. Nice. How is the uh, Cave Canem experience in, in all? I mean, what, how, what, did, what did you gain from that experience? It's amazing. Um, I, so the setup is that you write a new poem every day. Hmm. Um, and the poem, I think it was due at like 10 a.m. <laughs> and oh, so <laughs> I, it was a challenge. The first day I was frustrated because, you know, I'm going into this workshop with people I don't know, turning in a poem that's new. And I'm really like, you know, I want my stuff to be good. <laughs> I went to someone. So this was like, I was in my head about it. I could not write anything. Finally, like, it seemed like every day of that workshop, the last 30 minutes, something came up. Mm. And it, what came up was usually something very deeply personal. So things about my family, my dad, things that I don't necessarily always even write about. And so that workshop space just became so personal, like so um, intimate in the work that we were sharing. Um, and so to get to know people that quickly, like in one week, share work like that, I mean, it was powerful. So even after Cave Canem, I tried to like, I'm like, can I keep up writing one poem a day? How's that working out for you? <laughs> <laughs> I tried it, but um, it just showed me that I could do it though. Yeah. And I, I always thought before, um, it just, a poem had to come to me. Like I could not force myself to write a poem, but I, I can, I can sit down and come up with something to say. Um, you know, cause I usually, if I'm writing, it has to be sunny outside. The lights got to come in at the right angle. I got to have coffee. Coffee's going to be light. There's so many things that just have to be in order yep. in order for me to feel. And so if something's off, I'm like, oh, can't write today. That's funny because we, I, I often, when I, when I do these interviews, I often say, you know, do you have superstitions? Do you have to have a bunch of candles lit behind you, a few sticks of incense? And so you kind of do. You have to have the sun shining in at the right angle. And yes. <laughs> I mean, I've started kind of, I bought an espresso machine and I've started making lattes on my own, but I am not good at it. And if it doesn't come out right, I got to remake it. And then it's, it just takes so much time. Oh, so man. Yeah. how many poems are just in there and you, your attempt to make lattes the proper way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, how exact does that vanilla have to be? Right. It's, I'm told, I'm learning because I'm like, yeah, if it's not right, I can't start writing. But Kamehameha <laughs> really helped me realize, you know, I didn't have vanilla lattes at that time, you know, so I can do it. So, yeah. Awesome. So as we kind of head toward the end here, um, who are you really excited about out there right now? Who are you reading um, that, you know, you want to kind of shout out to the world? And then uh, what can we expect coming up from you uh, fairly soon? Yeah, so I'm, since I have a forthcoming book, it's my debut, I'm excited to be in this cohort of other books that are coming out in the fall. So Luther Hughes has a book coming out, Franny Choi, so I'm really excited to just 
read their books and to kind of be in this little family of fall 2022 books. Uh, you are you are in really good company. And I can tell you, I don't know if you've had a sneak peek at all at Luther's book, but um, it's a game changer. It is a game changer. It's 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 exactly what you would expect from Luther. I'm um, so excited. Yes. Um, it's amazing. Um, no, I, you, I think you really are in a good you're in a good year for books like it's a this, you're in a good time for a debut to come out right um, I'm sorry I'm very excited um and then just other poets that are interdisciplinary that I that I love that I'm reading so Shayla Laws's book Speculation um I have a friend named Aaron Nori um who I met during a reading at Brooklyn Poets mm. and her work just blew me away. She works with documents as well. And so when her book comes out, y'all have to be ready because it's going to be amazing. Very um, cool. Yeah. Awesome. And then uh, how about you? What's uh, what's coming up for you? That's a little bit special. Uh, yeah. So just, yeah, really focusing on the book coming out, you know, excited to do readings in terms of work. Um, I'm just experimenting. I'm just playing around with things, throwing things out there. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to be back in, in a creative space, like just generating things. And so, yeah, I think you'll see maybe some poems come out there, but really, really the book. So look out for that. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. And I look forward to reading all that will come from you. Uh, and I wish you the best and I will talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.